I'm actually using duct tape to record this episode. I'm actually using my own earwax that I've rolled into a drum and I've built an old timey mechanical. Uh, they're not called gramophones. What are those things called? Those old rolly wax things from the fucking French Revolution. Right. Whatever that is, you're using that. I'm using it, but I, I made it myself. So I don't know what it's called. Doesn't matter if you make it yourself. All right, I'm going live on the gram. Here we go. Okay, 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 okay. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. I'm down to clown in Browntown. Oh, shit, are you serious? You ever clowned around in Browntown? Uh, I have, but I don't yep. know if I'm down now to da- to clown. I mean, <sighs> are you down to clown? I'm ground down to clown, which is the opposite of down to clown. I'm ground down <laughs> Why are you so in, cl- into the deep brown. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking about. No need to go into it. So welcome to another episode of I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, you're not okay. We are here on our weekly Instagram live. Go follow us on the socials. Dude, should I wear, I've already got two headphones on. Should I add a third headphone? Like Why this? not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Cause I don't. Cause if I did that, this would be delayed. Your, unknown your seconds. Your dual headphone vibe is a complete mystery, but I like it. It's very. Uh, it's very you. It's very very Schneid sauce. I feel like I'm Dan Bilzerian. I went down a Dan Bilzerian rabbit hole this week, and uh, I hadn't really checked in on him and his wild life. Yeah, that's exactly what he's like. He hangs out with little anime figures, but. I went, I unfortunately went down the rabbit hole of his life and uh, super depressing. I don't know, dude. I would not want that life at all. It's scary. It scares me. We've talked about this before where his life is scary. Like if I was plopped into, like ended up at one of Den Balzerian's parties, I would not fit in. I would be very scared. Dude, I don't want to go to any of those parties. First of all, I'd be getting contact hide immediately. Well, all they do all is, they're doing is they just smoke that pot. Or whatever. Smoke weed and I guess have sex. Even though he doesn't really show that on there, but he's implying that there's a lot of sex that's going on. But he pays all those like models to hang out with him and, and sell ignite and stuff. And now he's selling like cologne and shit. But I right. do I do wonder if But I it, imagine there's some sex involved as well. But I wonder if that's even on the table. It might just be a big image thing. It seems like that's what he's selling. I don't I mean, I don't know. He's got a book coming out, so I'm sure he'll say in the book. <laughs> We'll have to wait for the book. He's in a tub with four naked chicks. So, yeah, I mean, he's definitely down to clown in a round, hot town. Mm-hmm. Nothing rhymes after. He's down to clown in brown town. That's for sure. <laughs> anyway, how you doing? You, I, I'm assuming he's down to. I don't know, though. I don't know him. So I don't know if he is down to clown in brown town. I mean, he might be down to clown in brown town with Doc Brown. I know there was a time. <laughs> With Doc Brown? Doc Brown, yeah. There was definitely a time where I was down to clown in Brown Town, but those days are gone. Yeah. As far as I know. Right. All the days are gone. Everything's gone. Is it though? I mean, is it not? It's, it feels that way, but I don't think it is. It feels like this to me. This is what it feels like. Ready? Yeah. Down to yeah. clown in Brown Town. Which is cool. But now it's very cool. Now fast forward six weeks. 
Now fast forward two months. Did you did you ever see did you see uh I dude here's what I wish I would have never watched. I wish I would have never watched any of the Black Mirrors. I wish I wouldn't have watched any of them. They were the the, the powerful ones will stick with you in a big way for sure. They've all stuck with me. And the other one that I wish I wouldn't have watched is there's a like a Swedish or Danish science fiction movie. Um I can't remember the name of it, but it's like Ariana or something like that and it's this ship that's traveling to Saturn gets hit by like a meteor or something and gets blown off course. And I guess if you're in space and you're like a giant object, like a giant, like a luxury sort of space transport liner and you get knocked off track, you're kind of fucked. So they, so they just get blown off track and then they're just on this ship for forever going, just heading into space. It doesn't sound that brutal. I mean, the, the idea is brutal, but that's not like some of those Black Mirror episodes. I know the one thing that you definitely wish you could unsee that I made. Well, I didn't make you watch it, but I brought it into your life. Martyrs. Martyrs, Martyrs yeah. Yeah. French extreme film. If anybody suggests watching Martyrs, just immediately just go, hey, whoever you are, I love you. But GFY. What is GFY? Go oh, fuck yourself. Right. Well, let me make a distinction because I know that we probably have some listeners and maybe some Instagram live folks who are going to go see it because of what we're saying about it. Do not watch the American remake. It's a turd. Um, oh, they remade Martyrs? They, they remade. They did American remake. It's Is horrible. it called Martyrs? It's called Martyrs. It's it's a, it's a total remake, but they softened it is up. Is Dennis Hopper in it? Dennis Hopper is in it playing the same character from Speed. Um <laughs> It was a unique take on the on the film. So is it the guy from Speed that's in it? He still has a like a burnt arm from Speed. Is his name Keanu Reeves? And he's still on the phone trying to get the bus to. He's trying to negotiate with Keanu Reeves on a bus that can't go more than fifty five miles per hour. So it's a very unique take on martyrs, dude. What if this podcast? What if we did a movie and it's called "I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay," but it's based on Speed and it's just us having a podcast, but we're in a bus and if it goes under fifty five miles an hour. We explode, so we have to just keep the bus on the road. So the, the bomb is real. Broadcast. It's not. A, it's not a metaphorical bomb. There's still a bomb under there. Yeah, it's like a real bomb. Yeah. Well, and I'm, we're on a bus. <laughs> we're on a real bus. Needless to say, I'm down to clown with that premise. <laughs> yeah, we're on a bus. Except the one thing that doesn't happen is that you and I don't fall in love. I mean, we're already in love, but we don't. We don't consummate that love. I bet if we were in a, a bomb on a bus situation, we would fall. We might be down to clown in Brown Town if we were on the bus and we knew that we were going to die. No, I know we wouldn't, but we would, you know, we would get, we'd be like, hey man, you know, if I'm going to go down, right. I'm glad I'm going down with you, buddy. I tell you what I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have a down to clown in Brown Town frown. I would not have that. I'd be smiling. I'd be grinning ear to fucking ear. Here's what I know what happened, dude. And I don't think, I don't think anybody, unless they've had a near death experience knows what this is. Mm-hmm. But I've been in a plane crash. Right. With the star of speed. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But I've been in a plane crash. And when you're in a plane crash, and it was a, when you're in a plane crash and you know you're going to die, you don't, it's, it's, you don't have this like, oh, you don't get scared. You, I mean, for me, like it was this, oh, like I'm going to die. That was the first thought. And then the second thought was like, I'm done. I don't have to worry anymore. Like all of this worry, all this anxiety that I have my entire life gone. I can just relax and die. And then you don't die. What is that? Is that some sort of built in 
is that some sort of built-in coping mechanism with facing death? No, I think that's just the reality of death. I think when death comes, you'll be like, yeah, I'm ready. It's time. I think the fear of death is, is some sort of thing that's in programmed into us where like, if we didn't have this, like have to survive at all costs thing programmed into us, I don't know, man. I, I would probably would have checked out before this. If, if there wasn't this overwhelming, like, Hey, you need to stay alive. Right. And then when you have kids, there's this overwhelming urgency to protect them. But even at the cost of your own life, but that's, again, that's just to survive and procreate as a species, you know, like that's to, to keep the species alive. That's like primary program. My only similar experience to your plane crash is when I was in eighth grade, I was on the wrestling team, which I know is hard to believe, but I have the picture of me in my little singlet to prove it. And we were in- Dude, do you still have that? The picture of the singlet. The singlet. Yeah. How do you, how do you think I get my wife excited to hop in bed with me every night? Hold up. Sit. We were doing a wrestling tournament and I was kind of scrappy and light and I could, I didn't win a lot of matches, but I could go the six minutes, which that's just difficult to do. But I was way in over my head. Believe me, dude. Believe me. It's, I, it's rare that I can go six minutes. I was in way over my head with this kid that was like an all state, whatever. And, you know, you shake hands. Then you go. And within about two seconds, he had flipped me onto my back and my neck and was holding me down and it was cutting off my windpipe. And I, I couldn't breathe at all. And I didn't like I had a chance to like take a deep breath, right? So to your exact point, now that I'm thinking about it, I thought to myself, well, this is it. No one can hear me scream for help. I'm going to die. It's going to be tragic. But it, there was a very calm, peaceful feeling about it. Just a total sense of... uh there's nothing I can do, man. This is like almost the state of things. This is the order. The universe sort of makes perfect sense for a second. Yeah. And then you pull through it and you're like, oh my God. Right. It was nuts. Yeah. When you have no control, when you have no control, like, so. By the way, my friend Anya says hi to me. Hey, Anya. Good to see you. Thanks for coming. Hi, Anya. Uh, no, like they have that movie about the, you know, the 9-11, the third plane that crashed that yeah. wasn't, you know. That they got the phone call from. Right. Like yeah. those people were all like chill. Because at that point they couldn't do anything. So you'd think everybody'd be like freaking out, but it's it's that's just not the case. You're just like, well, that's it. It's over. Do you remember what your the because it was you and Sandy and then other people, I presume, the pilots. Was everybody in that calm state? Or did you even have a chance to sort of take in the information of what No, I mean the whole thing happened um, in se you know, seconds. It was a crash landing. So we thought we were just landing, but we we did we missed the runway. So instead of landing on a smooth runway, mm -hmm. we're now landing on packed ice like by the side next to the runway and like it's you know it'd be like taking a car and throwing it throwing it into the you know into the where you know all the ice has been piled up on the side of the road <laughs> so like fuck you know like rip the wheels off the plane so now we're just sliding in the belly of the plane like a sled almost it was what? yeah we just it was just like this you're like this ah but then you know it lasts i don't know 10 i don't know 10 seconds i don't know how long. The, what do the next several hours look like after that are you traumatized are you shaky or do you brought you brush it off no you, there's a feeling of euphoria you've escaped death right right it's, it's it's pretty cool but i will say this i did have ptsd uh later 
from it. So the next time I got into a plane, I was like, oh, like I started getting, it got to the point where I would get on a plane and I would like visibly be like trembling like this on the plane. I remember the first tour we did, you told me this story. What is it a version therapy where you, in slow increments, like you said, you couldn't really fly on a plane for several years. At first you buy the plane ticket, but you don't go to the airport. Then you buy the ticket and you drive to the parking lot. Then you go home. Then you go to the gate. You just slowly deal with your trauma and aversion, right? To eventually you're sitting on the plane and you're getting through it. What ended up happening was I, so I was, I, I was flying, flying, flying. And then nine 11 happened. And then at night after nine 11 happened, I was like, I'm not going to fly for a minute, but that minute turned into like seven years. I just didn't fly. Yeah. And then I was like, man, I got to start flying again. I can't, I mean, I was driving to New York. I was driving to LA. It was too much driving. And so somebody told me about this uh, EMDR. I think it's EMDR. It's a trauma uh, PTSD therapy. And I went and did it. And it's this thing where like they tap you. You can either like you can look back and forth or tap or it, you can do it with sounds. Basically, it's just pinging the left and right part of your brain over and over again while you're like either repeating a sentence or saying something or whatever. And what it's supposed to do, it's supposed to unblock those neural pathways where the trauma happened or whatever. And all I know, it seemed like bullshit to me. And then when I left there, I was like, I had the thought, well, I think I'll book a flight to Houston because it's a you know 20 minute trip. So I, I did it. I booked a flight. And then on the way to the airport, for that flight, I was like, uh, I'm not getting on a plane. What am I thinking? And so then I got a um, flight anxiety course. And then I listened to that. And then I got on a plane and and started flying. Uh, Anya's asking if I said virgin therapy. No, that's what I'm currently in 24-7. But uh, I a said- Aversion or a virgin or- Aversion, like averse, like to be oh, averse. Okay. Well, that's like where if a kid who's a, um, a kid who's afraid of spiders, right, will slowly- and and not in a torturous way, but we'll slowly be introduced to a spider. Maybe they'll be in a room with someone, uh, someone who studies insects or whatever. They'll hold one, and then they'll slowly let the kid hold one, and and then before you know it, oh, now um, my friend Omar is saying immersion therapy. Any word that sounds like aversion, I'll pass off as if I'm intelligent. So now everyone's reminding me that I don't really know what I'm talking about. Let's talk about this real quick. So I finished the Jordan documentary, and I know there was some stuff you wanted to talk about after I'd seen the whole thing. I've now watched several other documentaries and I've even been watching old games and uh, I'm reading the Jordan rules, the book that came out in the early nineties, kind of the behind the scenes of the bulls. So what was it? If you recall that you wanted to talk about, I just love that scene when he was just on the ground crying. Oh my And he's holding the ball. He's holding the game ball, sobbing. Amazing. Powerful. Well, I just love the fact that he's so fucking no nonsense take no prisoners. And then when he finally wins, he's just overcome with emotion, overcome with emotion. It's so amazing. He, I mean, he comes out of that thing looking, looking pretty good. Well, so one of my buddies told me that he produced it. So, uh, I mean, he definitely comes off looking pretty ruthless, but from what I hear, and maybe you can shed some light on this is that the new Lance Armstrong documentary, the 30 for 30, he's pretty upset about it. Cause I don't think he looks real good. Which it's hard for Lance to come out looking good because he's such a such a stone cold killer. Do any of those documentaries that were made about him does he look? He, um, he comes out looking pretty. I mean, 
any any that you produce, any that you can control the narrative, right. you're going to look better than if some arbitrary third party, right? Because well, you can kind of you can kind of you know you can kind of tell the story, leave out some of the right. Well, you can make yourself just look really driven. You're a champion. You don't talk as much about who you mow down to win. Here's what they didn't talk about in the last dance. They didn't talk about extramarital shit at all in that, at all in that documentary. Did you notice that? Like, that's the one thing I'm like, uh, like they didn't even, they didn't even mention. But what does that have to do with MJ's story? Just because coming from, you know, coming from rock and roll and I know what that is. I know what the rock and roll you know, groupies and all that stuff looks like, but I imagine that at the level that those guys are at, it's like, I'm sure there's just a thousands of women throwing themselves at those guys every night. They talk about it with Rodman. I mean, Rodman was partying with like Carmen Electra and shit. Do you know her whole story with Prince and everything? Oh yeah. He would make her sleep with her makeup on and stuff. See, Prince is another one of these guys. Didn't he like, didn't he find her when she was like barely 18 or something? I don't know about those. That's the, I mean, I don't know the, uh, the, I don't know what the real story is, but the story that I've decided is the truth is that he met her when she was like 18 or something, maybe younger. And then put her up in an apartment and she was just like, yeah, whatever I want to do, you're going to do. Anya asked a question that I think is interesting for us to talk about. She said, what's the point of winning at that level? Like if you're one of these guys we've been talking about, a Jordan, a Tiger Woods, a Lance Arm, these guys are all cut from the same cloth. They're stone cold killers. They're champions. I don't even think they think about it like I'll win at any cost. It's just in them. It's just who they are. They don't care what it takes. it's hard to describe. I I don't know. I think that's what's so fascinating about these athletes. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think I mentioned it on one of the other podcasts. I think it's, I think the, at the very root of it is this dread or fear or terror of failure. Like it's uh, like not winning is death for, for Michael Jordan, for Lance Armstrong, for people like this, not winning second, third, 10th, that's all death. That's them dying. Like the feeling they have is like they're going to die. And you know where that comes from, you know, I don't know, dad or whoever. I don't you know, you don't know where it comes from. Jordan has such a great relationship with his dad though. Here's another interesting thing, right? So he retires after winning three championships in a row, three peat, broke tons of records, shooting records and MVP of the year, blah, blah, blah. And he claims he retired because he had no, there was nothing else he could accomplish in basketball. That does not make sense to me. I think, you know, there's a theory that he had to go away because of the gambling, because of some deep shit. He, he's, because he's a degenerate gambler. So that he had to go away because of some deep shit he got into, which some people believe might have even played a part in his father being murdered. Because he, I, I can't, he was like, he said he had a meeting with Phil Jackson where they couldn't come up with anything that he could further accomplish in the game of basketball, which to even be able to say that's incredible. And he said they were just crying because he's like, I can't keep playing this game if there's nothing else for me to do. Well, they asked him that. They, they, they brought that up in the documentary. He just laughed it off. He doesn't strike me. He doesn't strike me as like an actor, Michael Jordan. Like he no. strikes me as like, when they asked him that question, he just laughed it off. I was like, uh, it doesn't, there's no part of that, that, that sounds like he's just making that up. No, I agree. Well, I agree. Now his dad dying, I think truly affected him big time. And there is this thing that you have when you are the king of the world. Garth Brooks had it. Like, remember when Garth Brooks put out that weird record? The Chris, the Chris Gaines, Gaines. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, I bet you, Michael. That was equivalent of Jordan going to baseball. Well, he had just won three championships his dad died he's like you know what 
I'm going to go fucking take over baseball because I'm the king of the fucking world. Right. And I mean, even in that documentary, they're like, give that guy another year and he's probably doing pretty good in the major leagues. The, the narrative about his baseball career is pretty unfair, I think. So it doesn't, it doesn't shock me that he, I mean, what's he going to do? Win another championship? Like I could see, like, there is a weird thing when you're on top where you're just like, fuck it. I'll just do whatever the fuck I want to do. Right. I'm the king. And then you realize, well, I'm the king at basketball. I'm like, yeah. you know, and then you're like, eh, I'm going to go back to basketball, maybe. How about him coming back and putting on 45 and then losing a few games and someone said 45 is not 23. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. 20 <laughs> He comes out wearing 23 and then starts dominating again. Then he wins three more championships. Well, they lost that first year, but then he won three in a row again, a second three P. It's just so amazing, dude. It's so amazing, dude. You, but that's the story. Those are the stories we as human beings, those are the stories we want. Yeah, absolutely. Like we want it's like the myth. It's, it's like mythology. I was just going to say that. Yeah. yeah. We want Tiger Woods. We want Lance Armstrong. We want these guys who are going to, like. It, What's the totemic thing there? Like, what is it? What's the one story? that we're looking for success or motivation drive what like what is that the hero the, the hero, hero yeah the hero story right i mean even now like i'll watch tiger woods and i just i'm hoping against all odds that he's gonna somehow win i know i know i have the same thing you pull for him even though they're they're the, they're the best you still pull for him you still want him to succeed and crush and kill and there and, and other like i don't care about anybody else in golf like same all these other golfers, I'm like, I don't care about any of them. I only care about Tiger Woods, and he's the only guy I want to win. And if he's not playing, I'm not watching. With basketball, I can get down with um, with Magic Johnson or Larry Bird, but only in the sense that those are two guys that Jordan looked up to. So it's really only through his love for them that I get a little connected to their story, or that he hated Reggie Miller, or he hated uh, whoever he hated. And then the fierce competition with Carl Malone on the Jazz, but they were really tight. Like... It's really only through Jordan that I even am interested in other players, and definitely for golf. Couldn't give couldn't give a shit about other golfers. Dude, I don't watch basketball at all. When I was uh, my manager back in the day, I uh, had this manager out of Denver, and uh, he was like, "Hey, man, you want to go to a a Nuggets game?" And I was like, "No." He was like, "Dude, we'll have courtside seats. Magic Johnson's playing. It was like the Lakers, I guess. Magic Johnson maybe was on the Lakers. I don't fucking know." Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, it'd be cool, cool to see Magic Johnson, you know. And and I'm court, you know, I'm talking like Spike Lee, you know, like fucking right courtside seats, mm-hmm. like that'll be baller. So I'm like, let's do it. So we go down there, get down there, get in. We're we're right on the court. There's Magic Johnson. There's a bunch of other fucking people I don't know who they are playing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is cool. Uh, can we go now? Dude, the game hadn't even started. I'm like, I'm ready to go. My manager had driven me there. So now I'm stuck. I can't even get out. Like it's pre-Uber. Like I don't even think I had a fucking cell phone at that point. So I'm just like, what the fuck? And now I've got to hang out here for hours, dude. Two hours. I don't know how long those games are, but they're long. So I just left and went into a room that you could smoke in. And dude, it was just this big black mirror room (laughs) that had no ventilation at all and i was the only person in there and i'm just sitting in there smoking and it's thick 
with smoke. This is a serious question. I've heard this story from you before. I, I love I love the conjuring of the image of what we used to do when we were bored and we didn't have anything to do. You just go you just go be bored. I think that's so missing now, right? Because now you would just right. like, you would you would call an Uber. You'd look at your phone. You would do a million other things except pace a room. But but I think. Isabel and I talk about this a lot with Nova, where there's something about being bored and pacing and you're working out problems. You're yeah. thinking through your life and that's gone. So anyway, here's, here's a serious question for you, okay? Why couldn't you have gone and had a smoky, a smoky treat and then thought, well, if I'm going to be here anyway, I may, as, I may as well just go sit with my manager, have a hot dog, watch one of the greatest basketball players in the history of the game. Like, because I'm asking you it also... I'm talking about myself in a way too, because I think I would have been similar. Why can't we just go have a good time? Why is that so hard for dude, you and I? Dude, you've fucking asked the million dollar question. Yeah. Because, dude, I have found myself in situations. By the way, do I get a million dollars for asking that? Is that what? Even if you did, you wouldn't be happy. Dude, I have been on fucking islands with a butler. <laughs> With the bluest water in the world, with a butler ready to suck my dick if I want it. And dude, all I could think about was like, oh, this beach has got those little little ants or whatever that bite you. What are those little sand gnats? That's all I could think about. I fucking went riding on a like horseback riding on the beach. And all I could think about was like, this is this is uncomfortable. Dude, I can't enjoy myself for shit. I saw pictures oh of that. God. I saw pictures of that vacation. It looked like a fucking Corona commercial. And I was like, oh, that was amazing. Dude, I didn't have a good time <laughs> at all. <laughs> and I never have my entire life. I don't doubt the details at all. I'm sure you're telling the truth, but it is just so amazing. Like the, the picture you paint of the opulence. We had a butler. Yeah, I was horseback riding in the nude on the beach. The I wasn't nude. Was... I was in a I was in a bathing suit. But by the way, don't ride a horse with no saddle in a bathing suit. You know what that's called? Anti horny. <laughs> it's called anti nuts. <laughs> that's just like that's just like the world doing this to your nuts. <laughs> just boom, 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 boom on your nuts the whole time. Can I abbreviate and and tighten up that advice? You said don't ride a horse uh, in a bathing suit. Can I? Can I just put a little <laughs> bareback? Can I tighten it up a little bit? You ready? Don't ride a horse. <laughs> don't, don't, dude. Don't. Ride. What are you doing if riding you a got, horse, dude? If you have nuts. Don't ride a horse. Don't ride a horse. If you're, by the way, that's if, the name of my next record. If you've got nuts, don't ride a horse. If you find yourself in the novel Lonesome Dove, maybe ride yeah. a horse. You might have to ride a horse in that scenario. But I don't think that's. I happen. think that those guys. I think that the Rangers, the Texas Rangers, had tougher horse nuts. Like my nuts are not. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you, let's say you spend your entire life walking barefoot without shoes, your feet are like hoofs. Like they're fucking the calluses. And I feel like those Texas Rangers, their nuts were like hoof nuts. <laughs> like you can fucking take a fucking uh, a stick and just go whack against one of those Rangers nuts. And they wouldn't even feel a fucking thing because they're like, hey, man, I've been riding a horse since I was one. Those nuts are tough, toughed up. Wow. My nuts are not ready for any kind of horseback riding. Well, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> they never will be. They probably won't be. 
They never will be. And there's your daughter in the background. Luckily, she can't hear any she of this. She can't hear any of this. Yeah, my, <laughs> my, it's all in the microphone. My uh, my in-laws are in town, too, hanging out. So it's, we're having a good time over here. Does Scarlett still want to do a little FaceTiming with Nova a little later? Uh, uh, yeah, I hope so. Okay. Well, <laughs> I got I got I to gotta fill up a few minutes of time. Well, we actually need to skedaddle anyway. So let's yeah. say uh, we're going to kick it to the Secret Weekly. Let's say bye-bye to... All right. Nice being here once again on the Instagram. 33 people. We, we still got 19,967 to go. We usually read emails on the show. You can write in bobandclint at gmail.com. Go leave us a positive review. We've also got the Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash I-O-K. Go get on board. Go get supportive. And then you can listen to our secret, secret weeklies, which we're going to go to right now as we say bye. Peace. Peace. <laughs>